Well, I heard the perfect story this week. There was a perfect man who met a perfect woman. After a perfect courtship, they had a perfect wedding. Their life together was, of course, perfect. One snowy, stormy Christmas Eve, this perfect couple was driving along a windy road when they noticed someone at the roadside in distress. Being the perfect couple, they stopped to help. There stood Santa Claus with a huge bundle of toys. Unfortunately, he had broke down, and so, not wanting to disappoint any children, on the eve of Christmas, the perfect couple loaded Santa and his toys into their vehicle. Soon they were driving along, delivering the toys, and unfortunately, the driving conditions deteriorated, and the perfect couple and Santa Claus had an accident. Only one of them survived the accident. Question, who was the survivor? Hopefully Santa Claus. The answer, as the story goes, is the perfect woman. She's the only one that really existed in the first place. Everyone knows there is no such thing as Santa Claus. And of course, there is no perfect man. Amen. <laughs> uh, one man came along and changed the end of the story and said, so if there is no perfect man and no Santa Claus, the perfect woman must have been driving. And so that explains the wreck to begin with. <laughs> today, uh, today I'm going to pick on the guys. There are no perfect guys. And uh, the title of this message, as you can see, is Man Up. It's 10 ways to lead your family, men. And uh, you may be thinking to yourself, what kind of Thanksgiving message is that? All right, just ask your wife, because all the women right now are giving thanks unto the Lord. Um, so here we go. You've got in your bulletin there 10 ways that we can lead, and I'm going to complete those statements for you. I gave this to our men uh, a few years ago, and because we're not perfect, we've probably forgotten, and so I'm going to give it to them again. I gave it to them last time, right before I started a series called Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. And what I told the men was this. I said, man, I'm about to tell this church and I'm about to say to your wives that God has called us to lead. And they might laugh out loud, men, if we don't get some things in order. And so I gave the guys a gift. I said, in a few weeks before we, before we get this thing started, you've got time. <laughs> you've got time to get ahead of the curve. Because there's nothing worse, right, than sitting and hearing a message about everything that you should do and you're checking off in your mind all of the things that you aren't doing, right? That's painful. Uh, I'm not giving you much of a warning here, guys. But it will be a reminder to us. Ten ways that we can lead our family into the holidays. Ten ways that we can lead our family into kingdom priorities. Ten ways that we can... We can be what God has called us to be, man. And I want to I pray and ask God to help us as we walk through these. It won't take us long. Why don't you pray with me that God gets what he wants out of us. Jesus, thank you that, um, thank you that we have this, this time together. I thank you for the church. This body of believers that are drawing near to one another so that they can 
get better at drawing near to you. Lord, I thank you that you allow us the opportunity and even this place, just this building, just the, just the practical ways that you, you provide for us so that we can come together and sit at your feet. And in song and in prayers, in silence, with hands raised, on our knees, heads down, eyes in the sky, however it is you lead us, we can, we can tell you how worthy you are of our, of our worship. But I also thank you that we can come and we can sit together, none of us perfect, and we can with all, with all humility and all transparency sit at your feet and, and ask how we can be more like Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren, the perfect example for all of us to follow, men, women, and children. And Lord, as we, uh, as we pick on the men this morning, I pray that you would help them, undergird them. Lord, they're going to miss. They're going to miss on these. So Lord, would you accomplish what you intend to accomplish here in the hearts of men and not allow Satan to take this time and do more damage than it does good. We ask in Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone. Amen and amen. Well, here you go. Follow along if you want. Ladies, try not to elbow right here. Number one, men. God has called us to be leaders to the word. Leaders to the word. Your wife and kids should catch you reading your Bible. Has that ever happened? Has your wife or one of your children ever walked in and caught you reading your Bible? Like unexpectedly, like, oh, Dad, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Have they ever found you at the wee hours of the morning as they're still rubbing their eyes, finding their way out of their room to the bathroom or to mom's bedside? Have they ever found you at the kitchen table? under lamp or candle or flashlight, whatever it takes, one of those little headlamps, whatever you need, in the Word. They should catch us reading our Bible. It's that simple. And you should be taking them, men, to the Word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Not just for you, but for your whole family. As a leader of your family, you need the Word of God as your roadmap. I often say, God, how, how, how in the world am I supposed to be leading this family? And He reminds me, it's in there. It's in there. Number one, lead to the Word. Number two, lead in prayer. Lead in prayer. Your wife and kids should interrupt your prayer time. You know what I mean by that? That much in the same way that they find you in front, of, in front of the Word, they should find you sometimes deep in prayer. Your kids should burst into your room at some point in time in their childhood and find you on your knees. Find you and mom praying.
It should be you guys who prompts your family at the start of the meal to give thanks. At nighttime, before they sing their songs and get tucked in, it should be, it should be you who's the one who says, let's, let's see what we can be thankful for to God. Where has he blessed our family? Reminding of the blessings. Teaching them how to talk to God. As we talk to a friend. And as a child talks to a father. Lead in prayer. Number three, lead to church. Lead to church. You need to be the first one up in getting the kids ready for church. Now hear what I'm saying here. I'm not, I'm not talking about you're the one who has to be actually physically getting them ready. But if you need to, you need to. What I'm saying here is that it shouldn't be a question mark in mom's mind. It shouldn't be a question mark in the kid's mind on Saturday whether or not dad's taking us to church on Sunday. It should be clear that on Sunday morning we're, we're, going, we're going to be with the church. We're going to be with the family of God, the body of Christ. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus and tell him how much we love him and we're going to learn from his word with our church family. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be a question mark on Sunday morning, Dad, as you're in front of CNN or whatever morning show news you're watching. Mom shouldn't be waiting on your cue to figure out, are we going? Number four, lead financially, men. God has called us to lead financially. Here's what I mean. If money's tight and it's a question on whether or not we give to God what he's asked us to give in faith, in obedience, how about you be the one to cancel the cable? How about you be the one to sell off your hobby, men? How about you lead financially by taking the hit if you need to? How about you teach by giving up something that your kids or your wife knows you would rather keep. So that the opportunity might arise for you to lead financially and teach on what it means to trust God, to be faithful to the one who's been faithful to us. You may not be the one who writes the check, gentlemen, but you need give leadership based on what God is leading your family to do as to what numbers get written on that check. Be creative when it comes to leading financially, guys. Um, I, uh, I have been noticing for a while in my neighborhood that all the mailboxes are looking horrible. We've got those black metal iron mailboxes and they all just look horrible. And so I had been intending to get out and uh, spray paint ours to make it look better. I just, it drives me nuts. So I've been wanting to do that. And it had occurred to me that uh, as I've been asking God, and some of you have been, been throwing out creative ways that you're teaching your children during this holiday season, God just kind of out of the left, you know, corner, guys, some of you get this, uh, God just said, why don't, why don't you use this as a lesson 
for your older son. I said, okay, how's that? And uh, because he drives me nuts the way he, he spray paints. And he gets right up close and he gets real far and it just all runs down and drips. And I said, okay, God, what, what do you mean? Because that, I already knew it might be a frustrating proposal. And he said, why don't, why don't, you, why don't you do this? Get, get your older son and uh, buy the spray paint and every one of the mailboxes in the neighborhood needs to be done. So why don't you get him and uh, tell him what you're doing. You're going you're gonna to go around and with him, you're going to spray paint people's mailboxes. You're going to clean them off, scrub them off, and you're going to spray paint mailboxes and uh, make them look nice. And uh, you're going to ask people if you can do that so that you can raise $5 per mailbox and we're going to give it to a family in need this Christmas. We're, we're going to let Grady go pick out toys for a child who, who doesn't, doesn't probably uh, have what, what the rest of us have. Son, uh, you know that you have more, more than you need. How about, we, how about we give this $5 out of all this work that we do? How about we go to the store and we buy toys for a, for a kid who may not get what you get on Christmas? Because grandparents are going to spoil you like crazy, and you know that. So how about we do that? Okay, Dad. And so yesterday we went out and we scrubbed some mailboxes and we sprayed them down. And, and uh, you know what happened? Before we had gotten to the fourth mailbox, just on our little area, uh, there were four other kids following us around, cleaning off mailboxes. And uh, at first I was like, hey, I'm trying to teach my kid here. Just, you know. And then I realized what, what an opportunity that that had turned into, that now, now these other four little kids are following around, including his little brother, saying, what are you guys doing? And we could tell them. And they went to the doors. We were telling the people, here's what we'd like to do. And, and, uh, and they're like, that, that, that's great. That's great. And I wouldn't have been great if Grady had come to me and said, Dad, how about we paint mailboxes this Christmas? And we give all the money away to those in great need because we have low so much these holidays. Uh, he's not there yet. He's not there yet. It's great for the newspapers. But dads, how about you find a way? Just find a way. It's silly, isn't it? it but just find a way to create opportunities to teach and lead your family financially. To, to show your children that this money we have is not just because dad is so brilliant, <laughs> successful, and wise. We, we put a box. Uh, if this is your first time, you've probably noticed that we didn't pass the plate yet. We won't. Um, we reserve the right to do that in future, just, just so you know that. <laughs> but, uh, but we put a box at the back of the room. One of the, way, one of the reasons we do that is so that... So that you have an opportunity anytime you want, before service, after service, you can bring your child in here and, and you can say, son, here's where we give to God. Here's what we, here's what we do. And, and we could have done that passing the plate. But with the kids back there, uh, use that opportunity. You have an opportunity. Don't just come in and dump it off and, and be done with it. Bring, bring your kids in sometime and say, you know what this box is for? Here's what we do in it. Here's what we do in it. Lead financially. Number five, lead in sacrificial love. This is a painful one. Lead in sacrificial love. You've got to give love even if it isn't returned, gentlemen. Sorry. Even if it isn't given to you first, just the way you like it or want it, you've got to be willing to take the first step. Kimberly and I have told you this before. We struggle over this, and, and, and we've been married now 13 years. 
uh, and it took probably till year 10 that we finally just slapped ourselves in the head and said, you know what's going on here? Here's what's going on. I'm waiting on you to do your job and you're waiting on me to do my job so that I can do my job and you can do your job. Now, how ridiculous is that? And we came to the realization that, that I had a hard time doing my job if she wasn't doing her God-given job and she had a hard time doing her job if... Uh, you get it? Anybody else face that problem? If my wife could just be the woman God has created her to be, I wouldn't have any trouble loving her sacrificially. <laughs> None at all. And she's, she's pretty doggone close. But it's hard. And ladies, you're sitting there saying, if my husband were just the godly man that he's been called to be, I'd have no problem doing anything that God has asked me to do. Now, here's the, here's the bad part, guys. Um, my wife quickly reminded me when we came to that realization. She said, but aha! Yet God has called you to lead. So you have to take the first step. That's right. That's right. Even when she's not doing her job. Men, we've been called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. What does that mean? How good has, has the church been at loving God, the bride, the, the bridegroom? How, how well have we done historically? We've been, we've been uh, painfully lacking at our love for the bridegroom, haven't we, as a church overall throughout history? We dropped the ball over and over and over. But God has still loved the church and died to redeem her. Sacrificially, he gave himself up for her. Amidst her, meaning us, are the church, amidst our shortcomings, no matter what, he loves us. Amen? Thanks be to God. Aren't you glad he does? Well, that's how God's called us to lead in love. No matter what. Even if she doesn't go first. That's tough. Number six. Lead in repentance. Lead in repentance. You have to be willing to admit when you are wrong, gentlemen. And confess it without strings attached. Can you do that? Can you do that? Uh, I'll tell you that I've found that it's, it's, uh, it's become easy with my children. I realized at, at one point I had messed up and I had to go to, uh, I think it was Grady, I had to go to him and, and before bed I had to say, son, dad lost his cool right here and I'm sorry and I repent. And I didn't use the word repent because he would have looked at me like, okay, I don't know what that means. But I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? Dad messed up. And dads are sometimes going to mess up. And, and that was hard to do the first time. But you know what I realized? He was pretty gracious and he was pretty forgiving. And it was an opportunity for me to teach him. You know, uh, I got to the point where I started being thankful for the times I messed up with my kids. That's kind of weird, right? But you know what? Every time I mess up, it's an opportunity for me to teach them about repentance. And apologies. And I'm sorry's. But I can tell you that it's still painfully difficult to lead in repentance when it comes to my wife. It's hard. But we're called to do it. And do it without strings attached. 
I'm sorry, honey, but if you wouldn't have been such a... That doesn't work. Those strings justify your actions. How about just, I blew it. I blew it. And how about just, I blew it with no strings attached, even if you legitimately believe there are some strings to be attached. How about that? How about back to the previous, even if she's messed up some herself? How about you take the lead on just going for repentance without any blame, without any reasoning, without any rationalization? We've got to lead that way. Number seven, lead in priorities, men. Lead in priorities. Your wife and kids need to know that your affection for God is first and foremost. Uh, This is the first time I did it, but last night, knowing that I had to preach this, it occurred to me as I was uh, reading uh, to my sons and just before we said our prayers and I put them to bed, I asked the question of both of them as they were all wrestling around on the bed and hardly listening. Um, do you know who God? Do you know who Dad loves more than anyone or anything else in this whole wide world? And uh, Corbin looked at me and he said, "Us." And that was good because I, I tell them quite often that there is nothing in this world that I love more than you and your brother and your mom. I want them to know that. And I, I joke with them and I say, if dad won a million dollars, I wouldn't trade you for a million dollars. If dad could have Disney World, and I try and, try and figure out a way to help them to understand. I remember the first time I said that to Corbin, if dad could have Disney World and his eyes got real big, I wouldn't take it. And he looked at me like I was crazy. I wouldn't trade you for Disney, son. And so it made sense to him when I asked, who does, God, who does, who does dad love more than anything or anyone? But they said them. But I had to say, and it was, it was hard. <laughs> Because I love them a whole lot. I, I had to say to them, you know what? I love, I love Jesus more than I love you. I want to love Jesus more than I love you. And you know what? They, they didn't run away crying. Um, I think, I think that by God's grace, it was somewhat comforting to them. And I think over the years, it will become more comforting to them. Um, uh, we've got to teach by example, that God is priority, number one, men. Nothing else in life, not even our children. Nothing else in life, not even our career. Nothing else in life trumps our affections for God. Lead in priorities. Time. Time equals value. That's especially understood by our children, isn't it? That time equals value. Um, when, it, when we talk about priorities, I, I'm not talking about um, legalism here, guys. I think if you've been around, you know me well enough to know that if you miss a Sunday here at Cornerstone, I'm not hunting you down, okay? I'm not calling you on Sunday afternoon, giving you a hard time about where you were. Uh, as a matter of fact, if an opportunity arises... If some unique opportunity arises, or maybe you just, you just feel free by God to just, I don't know, you want to go play golf next Sunday morning, um, the, the, the Cornerstone police aren't coming after you, okay? If you decide that you and your family are going are gonna to stay home and make pancakes together and not get out of your pajamas, I'm not talking about legalism here, guys. But there is something about consistency, when we talk about priorities, 
that kids especially learn from. And if more times than not, our, our priorities are scattered, then what are we teaching? Where are we leading our families? There needs to be that consistency. I'm not talking about legalism. But there needs to be that consistency that our children and our families can depend on and say that without a word, dad's time is given to this. He sets priorities for this. And so we know he loves this. Amen? Leading in priorities. Where do we give our time? What's important to us? Our families are watching for those things. Number eight, lead in evangelism. Lead in evangelism. Your concern for those who are dying and going to hell has to be a reality in you if it's ever going to be a reality for them. If you're going to lead your family when it comes to the souls of lost men and women in this world, you have to find a way you have to find a way to communicate that to your family. They have to see that your heart breaks for lost family members, lost neighbors. You need to talk about it. You need to pray for. You need to make it a priority. Evangelism needs to be led through with your family. Your children should know that you have a heart, not just for the temporal, but for the things that are eternal, namely the souls of men and women. Leading evangelism. I read a story by a guy named Norman Cates about, uh, about evangelism. It went like this. It was a story of a guy who prayed this prayer every morning. Lord, if you want me to witness to someone today, please give me a sign to show me who it is. Okay. One day he found himself on a bus when a big burly man sat next to him. The bus was nearly empty, but this guy sat next to our praying friend. The timid Christian anxiously waited for his stop so he could exit the bus. But before he could get uh, very nervous about the man next to him, the big guy burst into tears and began to weep. He then cried out with a loud voice, I need to be saved. I'm a lost sinner and I need the Lord. Won't somebody tell me how to be saved? He turned to the Christian and pleaded, Can you show me how to be saved? The believer immediately bowed his head and prayed, Lord, is this a sign? Uh, lead in evangelism, guys. Uh, you've heard me say before, there's some things that we need not pray about. You know what I mean by that? God's told us that there are lost men and women out there. Ask Him to put the people in front of you, yeah. But, but don't be this guy. We don't need to be knocked over the head to know whether or not we need to be sharing our faith. Find ways to lead in evangelism in your family. Help your family to know that you care about lost souls, that you carry that holy burden for the lost. Number nine, lead in the abandonment of pride. Lead in the abandonment of pride. What do I mean by this? Men, what your family needs, what your wife needs, and what your children need, and I'll also add what this church family needs is for you to let down the facade and get real. For God's sake, set pride aside. 
This is uh, directly connected to number six in regard to repentance, that we've got to let down the facade. But let me put it another way in regards to this church family, because I think you know that it's needed in your home. But let me, let me as the pastor here, tell you why we need you men to lead in abandonment of pride. The church needs men, leading men who aren't worried about looking foolish or weak. Especially when it comes to your affections for God. I can tell you that one of the, uh, one of the greatest experiences for me was uh, while we were in seminary, we were a part of a church. It was a larger church and there were lots of people. And there were lots of different aged people. And the worship wasn't particularly contemporary. It wasn't cont- uh, particularly traditional. It wasn't particularly blended. But the one thing I knew was that it was authentic. And as a young uh, pastor in training, I was trying to put my finger week after week on what made this church so unique. And specifically, it was, a, it was a place where the Holy Spirit was free in worship. And there was no, there was no facade across the board on, on, on the hearts and the minds of the people. It, it was a free place for men and women and children to worship as, as they saw fit by the leading of God. And here, here's where God directed me. Here, here's what I noticed one week in particular. Is that there were grown men, old men, young men, who had abandoned all pride, who had let go of all reservations of what they thought would make them look this way or that way. And they were going for God with all they had. And I saw old men with hands raised and eyes closed. And I saw young men on their knees and on their faces. And, and you know what, know what occurred to me? You know what was very clear in that moment? Was that because these men were letting go in the presence of God and giving God whatever He desired in that moment, whether it was, whether it was sitting down, <laughs> not very demonstrative at all, but it was obvious that they were in the presence of God, or whether it was hands raised, shouting at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, whatever it was, whatever end of the spectrum it was, it was, it was obvious that the rest of the body was free in large part due to the men who had abandoned their pride. There's something about the congregation of believers that needs men who will let go and lay aside any thought of, well, what, what, are, what are they going to think? What will my wife think? What will the leadership think? What will the pastor think? And be more concerned with thoughts of, God, what do you want from me right now in this moment? We need it. Let me give you number 10. Number 10, lead in direction. Lead in direction. Here's what I mean by that. You can't just live by the seat of your pants with nothing more than your career as its driving force. The church and your family need men who are called and following a kingdom-driven purpose for life. That you know that your life is more than just what 
the next step of your career holds. That where you live isn't simply dependent on the next job transfer. That your retirement fund isn't dictating how you invest your life right now. Your family and this church family needs men of God who have a kingdom direction about them. That they're about something that's larger than just the temporalness of where, where is this, this job that I do, whatever it is, taking me and therefore taking us. If that's it, I say, is that it? Is that really all you'll give your life to? Is that it? The climbing of a ladder and the accumulation of stuff, is that it? So that at, at the end of your days, we'll come together and we'll, we'll mourn your passing. We'll celebrate whatever earthly accomplishments you had. And then your family will have a giant garage sale with your stuff. Is, is that it? Please tell me there's got to be more that you're leading your families to, gentlemen, than just wherever, wherever your current career path is taking you. All right, that's 10. We all right? We survive? Amen, guys? Amen, ladies? Be easy, ladies. Let me give you uh, two encouragements, and then we'll pray and be done for the day. The first encouragement is to the wives. It occurred to me that I needed to say something to our ladies before we're done. Men in general, ladies, and Christian men especially, have a need for respect that is tied directly to accomplishment. And this morning I have challenged, I have challenged their accomplishments as Christian men. I've challenged their accomplishment to lead their families. And in their own hearts and minds, they've been going through these ten, and they know where they've failed. They know very well. So be kind. Be kind. I've caused these men to question how accomplished a Christian man they are, which will automatically challenge in their own hearts the level of respect they have for themselves and the level of respect they feel that they should have in their home and from you in particular. So be, be kind, but also be smart. Because what you want, ladies, is improvement, right? And I'll tell you the one sure way not to get it. <laughs> the one sure way not to get it is to go home and unfold your notes in front of your husband and say, well, let's talk about which ones you missed here, honey. That won't go well. Because I'll tell you, another, another uh, inherent trait of men is it's to, uh, it's to pretty easily and pretty quickly go to defense mode when we're challenged at the point of our accomplishments, at the point of how well we ought to be respected in our leading. See, what you don't want to happen is for him to to resist and put up defenses. So be kind. Be smart about how you handle this. Be an encouragement to them. 
Be an encouragement to them. How can you do that? Why don't you find ways and ask God in here in just a moment. Find ways that you can give them encouragement. You know, you, you, you say it, ladies. Maybe not out loud, but you've said it before. Men are like children, right? And one thing I know about my children is, is that they, they learn very well. They learn very well when I can find the places that they've succeeded and I can celebrate those places. Find the places where your husband is succeeding on this list, even if it's every now and then, and celebrate those, encourage those. You see, when you point out his accomplishments, there's something about a man that helps him to breed more accomplishment in that area. Uh, Lastly, ladies, the best you can do is pray for them. The best you could do is pray for them. My wife had a book on her nightstand for the longest time. She never talked about it, but it was, it was always where I could see it, the power of the praying wife. And finally, I picked it up, and I kind of read the subtitle and read the chapter contents, etc., and, and I got it. I got the point. That uh, she understood that, that her job was not to play Holy Spirit in my life. That, that would, would do no good. <laughs> Instead, she had to bite her tongue sometimes and pray harder. Pray harder. Uh, I don't know if it works or not. You can ask her. Number two, uh, the second and final encouragement. Man, this one's for you. Uh, Your pastor frequently fails each one of these. And I was so thankful this morning when my wife told me that she was with the children today. Because now your pastor did not have to sit here and go through these ten with my wife staring back at me. And me wondering how much of a hypocrite she thought I would be. So be encouraged, men. Your pastor frequently fails in each one of these areas. Also, men, Satan would have you get depressed, overwhelmed, or even irritated and defensive at this point. Satan would love to do that. Don't don't let him. Don't let him in right here. Don't listen to his lies. Whatever is taking your heart and mind, guys, away from what we're trying to accomplish right here and down another road, it is... It is not of God, it is of the adversary. Listen to the Spirit of God. As you depart today and you think on these things, listen to the Spirit of God. Anything that pushes you further from these things is not of Him. Anything that helps guide you towards these things in a loving way is of God. God has already, know this men, listen, God has already forgiven you of all your shortcomings. Do you know that? He's already forgiven you in Christ of all, every one of your shortcomings. He wasn't surprised at all as you went through this list with us this morning and you were missing one or two or ten. God wasn't sitting in heaven saying, man, he missed every one of those. He's not disappointed this morning. He had no false expectations that you were going to be perfect. He's already forgiven you, man. Take great comfort. He's already forgiven you of all your shortcomings. And so, here's what you do. Here's where you go with this. You thank Him that He has. You thank Him that He has. And you confess your shortcomings and your weaknesses. You just agree with Him that you have them. As He points them out, as He already may have pointed them out as we've gone through, You agree with Him. 
You own those shortcomings. You own them. You thank Him that He's forgiven you. And you ask your good Father for His help. You ask Him for His help. He wants to help you in every one of those areas. And finally, smile because He loves His sons. He loves His sons no matter what. Let's pray. God, give us men. God, give us men ribbed with steel of your Holy Spirit. Men who will not flinch when the battle's fiercest. Men who won't acquiesce or compromise or fade when the enemy rages. God, give us men who can't be bought, bartered, badgered by the enemy. Men who will pay the price, make the sacrifice, stand the ground, and hold the torch high. God, give us men obsessed with the principles True to your word, men stripped of self-seeking and yen for security, men who will pay any price for freedom and go any lengths for truth. God, give us men delivered from mediocrity, men with high vision, pride low, faith wide, love deep, and patience long, men who will dare to march to the drumbeat of a distant drummer, men who will not surrender principles of truth in order to accommodate their peers. God, give us men more interested in scars than medals, more committed to conviction than convenience. Men who will give their life for the eternal instead of indulging their lives for a moment in time. Give us men who are fearless in the face of danger, calm in the midst of pressure, bold in the midst of opposition. God, give us men who will pray earnestly, work long, preach clearly, and wait patiently. God, give us men whose walk is by faith, behavior is by principle, whose dreams are in heaven, in whose book is the Bible. God, give us men who are equal to the task. Those are the men the church needs today. Lord, I am thankful for the men of Cornerstone who are growing in grace and growing in righteousness. And yet none of us sit perfect this morning. Yet give us the desire, even if we lack the mere desire, give us even the desire to long to be holy in the ways you've called us to be holy. Give us the desire, Lord, if we even lack the simple desire. Give it to us, Lord, that we desire to be righteous, that we desire to be the leaders in home and at church. Lord, where we fall short, gently point it out to us as you wrap your arm as a good father does around us, gently point out where we're dropping the ball at home, at work, at church, when we're alone. Oh Lord, especially when we're alone. Where are we dropping the ball of faith, of holiness, of righteousness? Lord, remind us that we live under the law of grace and that as every good father would you smile over us. Father, even if we are hanging our head this morning in disappointment over our shortcomings, put a smile on our face. Help us to know that we could reach up to you, our daddy. Because you reach down to us, your sons. I'm thankful for men who want more for their lives than the temporal. 
Lord, bring the men of Cornerstone together, closer together, to lean on one another, to lock arms, to be men on the front lines of these spiritual battles together, that have each other's back, that can encourage one another and challenge one another, correct one another and teach one another and love one another in all the ways that you've called us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.